This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. The dogs win. The dogs win. 37 to 34 in Austin Stadium, making history. Got my fellow dogs and ducks here. Guys, how are you doing? Doing great this morning. Mark, we talked about history. You are the chief historian in this group. You walked us through the last time the Huskies had anything close to this, but this was truly a historic win. How does it feel to have been there for a part of the the most epic historic win in the history of this rivalry? I am honored to have witnessed something <laughs> that has not happened for 63 years and likely won't happen again for 63 years. So, you know, it was like the passing of Haley's Comet. Uh, got to see something historic, took all kinds of... Uh, incredible and miraculous uh things for it to happen and uh great great to witness such a uh, once in a lifetime experience well welcome to the dog and duck show don't believe a single word that mark just said <laughs> we have been talking about this non-stop since the huskies epic win in awesome state Austin stadium last night with me is my co-host mark schmore he's the duck my name is warren maynard I am the dog. We've got three or two other dogs here with us, along with a fellow duck. So let's go around the room. Just initial reactions to this game, starting with our guest who wasn't able to join us on Friday, J.J. Vansel, a fellow dog, the dog that brought uh, Mark and I together to make this podcast happen. J.J., how are you feeling right now? Oh, my gosh. I mean, for one, I have full transparency. And everyone in the room knows this i was an absolute pessimist coming into this game first off for full emotional protection uh i fully expected the the, the ducks to just roll over roll over the huskies um and then when the game started i just was as nervous as as as, as i possibly can be um and man to, and to pull that game out the way that we did uh in Otson, Firework show on offense on both sides. The game was was unbelievable. And actually, um, yeah, it was probably the best thing I ever saw in person. Jake, you were with us. You had you you had uh you were level three on the hope meter. We talked about that on Friday. Yeah. How like where are you at right now? Uh I be honest, Warren, I'm still in a little bit of disbelief. Like I just I had kind of like JJ said with that emotional self-protection, I kind of had this, I, I, this is just never going to happen for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, as it was unfolding, I kept going, even though I just didn't believe, oh my gosh, this, this can actually happen until it did. And then when it did, it was pure elation, disbelief. Uh, and I, I, I'm still, I mean, I barely slept last night. And it's the first time I barely slept out of exuberance and joy and not because I'm regretting and replaying all these plays in my mind. Uh, and so it, it's, 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 it's a strange feeling, honestly, and a, <laughs> a good one. 
Well, it's a strange feeling for us. It's it's a familiar feeling to spend the night regretting and replaying. Yeah. So Andrew, somehow the little coach from Sioux Falls that could <laughs> figured out a way to defeat the mighty Oregon Dan Lanning, the national champion coach with who has this supreme resume. Andrew, how are you feeling after this win? Yeah. Uh, obviously not good. You give DeBoer a lot of credit. That's interesting. Um, I, I would be, I would be, um, I have to say I was, I was shocked. It was, uh, Oregon did everything they needed to do, um, with that interception and we can't get into that, but, um, it, it felt like, okay, they're going to come down and score. And then, the wheels came off right at the end and it was, it was just surprising that the, the way that all happened, it all broke um, towards the Husky side. They had to make those plays. They did a great job. And, and it was just like, wow, I, I can't believe this broke against us. So I was just completely surprised. So we, we, we talked about this in the game or the pregame show that we did on Friday, that this was a truly unprecedented moment in the history of this this rivalry just to, to nail this down going into this game the huskies had never ever beaten a ranked oregon team in Autzen stadium in Autzen stadium until last night now they've defeated the number six oregon ducks 37 to 34 and this will be a moment that will never be forgotten by husky fans one Husky in particular, though, this is particularly sweet. Peyton Henry, the kicker who missed a game-winning field goal in 2018 that ended up with the Huskies losing in overtime, kicks what was ultimately the game-winning field goal last night to bring this thing to a lead. Man, he's got to be feeling like he's on cloud nine right now. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, narrative. I mean, I know Duck fans aren't wanting to to look at that objectively and and recognize that, but I think given some time to to heal the story of of Henry going from this freshman kicker who misses this big kick uh, to to being the hero um, who gives them the win, like that's that's a great story, and that's kind of the pure uh, greatness of college football. So yeah, you got to appreciate that narrative. So we we um we when we broke down the game we had some key questions and one of them was could the the Huskies uh, slow down this running offense with Bo Nix, Irving, Whittington, and the answer was no. The answer was unresounding <laughs> no. So the 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 Ducks put up nearly 600 yards of offense. Bo Nix has 280 yards, two touchdowns passing through the air, one fumble. But then their running their running game piles up over 300 yards with Whittington and Irving both uh, rushing for over 100 yards each. So if, if you were a defensive end, this was not the game to watch. On the flip side. No punts either. No punts. No punts. No punts. On the flip side, the, the question was, could this uh, Oregon passing defense, which was a little suspect, going into the game could they slow down Michael Penix in this receiving trio and the answer was also 
resoundingly, no, they could not. Michael Penix Jr., 408 yards passing, two touchdowns, one baffling and potentially devastating interception, but he redeems himself with the 63-yard touchdown pass to Taj Davis. So, Mark, what do you think that these key, you know, these key questions, these key, you know, game points really meant to the overall outcome of this game? Well, I th- yeah, I think uh, it kind of felt like a tale of two halves. It felt like the first half was this half where that was kind of weird. Um, that to me felt like two teams that are getting in their own way. Uh, for Oregon, it was they don't capitalize on the first drive and they have to settle for a field goal because they have an inopportune holding penalty. Then they drive it down to the one-yard line and they can't punch it in because they have their first lost fumble of the season. So for Oregon, it felt like they're moving the ball at will, and it's only resulted in, you know, 10 points by the half. And for Washington, it felt like they had a chance to totally seize control. We were debating this at halftime. I felt like Kalen DeBoer was out of his mind for settling for early field goals and only kind of taking a 13-10 to lead when I felt like as an Oregon fan, in terms of how Washington had been – uh, moving the ball that that they could have had a 21 to 10 lead or something and like they, they really could have seized control um, so it felt like the first half was a little rocky for both teams and that neither team was able to really take advantage of opportunities and then the second half started and it was clear right off the bat that it was like okay this is what we expected why Oregon can't stop Penix and these receivers Washington can't stop Irving and Whittington and it's going to be kind of a tale of who has the ball last. And I mean, that's kind of how it, how it ended up. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the team that was able to have enough time to finish a drive was the team that, that won the game. Absolutely. And we were there for it. So, you know, for those that are listening there, there were six of us together. There's only five of us on the podcast uh, right now, but we were on about the 37 yard line and uh, you know, 200 feet up. It was incredible tickets. So the game day experience was amazing. And uh, we were there. We were really like our eyes were directly looking at that final minute of the game. And it was bonkers. Yeah. I think the line was uh, at halftime that the MVP of the the Oregon defense was Kalen DeBoer, right? (laughs) I think that was the line at that point. And that kind of felt true I didn't want to admit that as a Husky fan but yeah it felt like the Huskies missed an opportunity and uh thankfully uh we're not regretting it this morning we're not regretting it but I think there's reason to debate whether or not it was a good decision or not to to kick a field goal and I'm in the field goal camp only because you you don't know if they would have made it or not um I I see the argument that you want to be aggressive and you want to be you know you don't want to yeah, you want to show the opposing team that you're willing to fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the us Huskies have not proven to be great at short yardage downs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you take the points, you extend the game, you don't give the crowd, the other team, the break that they're looking for, and you wait till your chance. Because the first half felt like a game of chess, right? We're just trying to size each other up, figure out where yeah. each team is going to emphasize, mm-hmm. and then we're going to make our, our move in the second half, which I ultimately proved true. I mean, I think 
you had two opportunities. I don't mind kicking fourth and three. The fourth and one is the one where just give it a, give it a chance and maybe get that break. Yeah. Gosh, if you don't get it, Ox and Crowd goes bananas. You're only up seven three. I don't know. JJ, the fourth hurts. the fourth down that you really felt like they should have gone for. Yes, was coming was after Oregon fumbled at the one yard line. Yes, and Washington on their ver- the very next series of downs, they faced a fourth and one at like their own ten. Their right? own ten, yeah, yeah. And you were saying we just got a gift. They're gonna score anyway if we give it back to them with great field position. Yeah, why not just go for it now and see if we can make this gift really mean something. So it was interesting because you it, it, there were different points where different yeah. we had different feelings um, even amongst ourselves about st- strategically what was the right move right. or the wrong move yeah. for each coach to make. Landing obviously had a big fourth down late in the game. Well, but that's the same different fourth downs where he had to make decisions. This this was a game where there were maybe five different yeah. fourth down decisions that at any given time we were in disagreement amongst ourselves about what the right decision was and the wrong decision was and hindsight's 2020 with all of it, you know, the same, the mindset for that fourth and one for the Huskies on the 10 yard line is the same as where Lanny was facing at the end of the game Mm -hmm. is the assumption is if you, if you punt, they're probably going to score anyway. If you don't punt, well, it just shortened the field, you know, and you get the ball and you get the ball back sooner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were just given a gift on a, on a, Luke fumble, which first one all year, um, might as well try to capitalize and 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 steal a possession. So, um, gosh, there was there were so many micro strategic things going on that was so interesting last night. That was, I mean, it's, it, obviously we can't say it was the perfect game, but it it was. There are so many so many layers to last night. So, so, so game. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, for a game without a miracle finish, right? I mean, it wasn't a, a Hail Mary or a right. hook and ladders. That was the most, like, I went from being convinced we were going to lose when Penix threw the pick. Yeah. Yeah. To when they don't get it on fourth down and Whittington slips to going, oh my gosh, we're, I think we're going to win this game. And that was the 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 roller coaster of emotions in that game without a crazy weird play was was good. Well, yeah, let's talk about the the roller coaster of emotions because this is obviously an emotional win for both, you know, emotional win for the Huskies, emotional loss for the Ducks. We're all processing that in different ways. So Jake, let's start with you. Like where are you at emotionally after this game? Like what is your emotional state? What does this mean for you in the perspective of your journey as a Husky fan for all these years? Oh, this just, it's decades of angst and frustration. Uh, I made the statement for me, this is the greatest live sporting event I have been at in person since the 1995 game five, Edgar double uh, Mariners game against the Yankees. Um, this experience just, was unbelievable. And it's the greatest sporting event for me that I've seen since the Seahawks won the Super Bowl against the Broncos. Um, so this is right up there on that Mount Rushmore of experiences um, to be there in person just takes it to the next level. Um, so emotionally, I, I, it's, it's up in the pantheon of uh, my favorite moments to get to experience that with, uh, with my best friends. Uh, it's, 
it's something I'll always remember. And it's it's why we do sports. And I remember <laughs> after the pick last night, I just thought, why do I do, do this to myself? Why do I spend <laughs> hundreds of dollars to come have my heart ripped out in front of 60,000 annoying as you know what duck fans? Like this is just a glutton for punishment. And this is why, like this was the payoff. And we, we'd never had, I had never experienced this side of it. And so I'm just, uh, it, uh, it's unbelievable. Joel, you couldn't have said that any better. That was an incredible, incredible answer. So to sum up what you're saying, this is a top three sporting moment of all time and the greatest sporting moment that you've ever had in person. Yeah, it's since 95. Since it's, it's So you were at the 95. Right. Correct. So okay. It's, it's right yeah. up there for me. And but my... the greatest Husky moment in your life. Undoubtedly. Wow. All right. But it also came after, like you said, decades and decades of frustration to your hate. Right. right. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, I mean, being brought down so low is what made the high, the high so, so high. Yeah. Yeah. And JJ, nobody was lower than you going into this game. You were a broken man. <laughs> I was a broken, <laughs> broken man. Have you been restored? Uh, well, I'll, I'll just say this. Warren uh, has, has been the uh, relentless optimist, even predicting a Husky win, which I thought was absolute <laughs> bonkers. He, he texted me earlier this week with some, you know, some, some crazy ideas about the Huskies winning. And, and I just sent back a tip back a text that basically said, optimism has never paid me back a dime. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake, you nailed it on the head because, because sports, being a sports fan, um, when you're in the doldrums, it feels, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why, yeah. why do I continue to allow myself to be exposed to this type of pain? And then you win <laughs> and you're like, that's, that's why. why. Yes. <laughs> That's why I keep showing up. So that, I mean, it was, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't have said it better than Jake. There, there was, that was my favorite sports moment in yeah. person ever. Um, and it, partly because it was such a great game too. Yeah. It was just, and we'll get into the Knicks injury, I, I assume. But in this rivalry, the Huskies have never had a break like that. Yeah. Where it just... The ball, I mean, the gods smiled upon the Huskies mm. and gave them a break that they needed to, to tie the game. And then, yeah, I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded because we're so used to in this rivalry not having that opportunity. And then it yeah. shows up and we took advantage of it and the clock hit zero and the Huskies were ahead. It, it was it was mind-boggling. I, you know, watching the game with Jake was, was hilarious because he was so uh, – <laughs> expecting the other shoe to drop yeah until yeah. the very end and then all of a sudden the dam broke and he was jumping around hugging screaming it was beautiful it was beautiful absolutely and so obviously the the heights that we're feeling as husky fans you know we there's no way that the you guys the Oregon fans could be as low as we are high right now but Andrew where are you at emotionally after this game it's a tough loss but you look at it and it's like Hey, you got it. When a team plays the way Washington played, you got to give it to them. And and mm -hmm. to do anything else is to take away from those achievements. So I always am really careful about the whole sour grapes mentality because, dang, Washington played 
their best on defense when they mm. really needed to against the players that were on the field, right? Mm. And that's that's something where you're like, ah, dang it. So where am I at? I'm like, hey, hats off. And now Oregon's got to figure out how do we play defense against a person who can throw a forward pass? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably too much. But yeah, you get I love it. I love it. Mark, where are you at emotionally in this, in this aftermath? <clears throat> so I do feel like as the week progressed, I, uh, I was starting to feel something in the air. Uh, and our, our friend Ryan, who joined us yesterday, also Duck, referred to it as the purple haze that he saw over the stadium <laughs> as he drove into town. Uh, I, As I was doing research and I find out, okay, uh, only one Oregon team has run the table in conference play and Oregon's had nine teams finish with one loss in conference play. I was mm. like, okay, that gives me a little uneasiness that Oregon's probably going to lose one of these next couple of games. Then, Warren, you prompted me to look up, oh, when is the last time Washington beat a ranked Oregon team in Eugene? And it hasn't happened since 1959. So then that planted the seed in my mind of, at some point, that's going to happen. Like, because Oregon is usually ranked when Washington comes Mm -hmm. to Eugene. So at some point, Washington's going to get one of these wins. It can't go on for 60 more years. Uh, Warren, you coming down with your optimism and realizing (laughs) that the only way JJ was going to experience something like this in his life was to have somebody with more hope than he had kind of bearing that team. Yeah. All of that was kind of entering in my mind. And I was talking myself into Oregon winning in all kinds of different ways because, you know, that's what a fan does. But I have to share with you a, a brief exchange that I had with my fellow duck Ryan, uh, who joined, joined us at the game yesterday. He said at one point, I'm so fearful that we're headed for a major upset. It's all setting up too nicely for that. And we <laughs> we go back and forth and we're, we're kind of trying to talk ourselves out to it. And then this is what I say is if Oregon loses this weekend, it will be a bummer. Hearing JJ and Warren cackle with delight on their way back to the car won't be a lot of fun. But within a short time, I would likely do three things. I will immediately rank the worst Oregon losses of my lifetime and find some weird pleasure in relieving, reliving the other moments of sports heartbreak. I will reframe our chances to win the Pac-12 if we can bounce back and beat Utah. And I will start looking forward to next year's game in Seattle and the chance for revenge. So I am working through my three stages of yes. grief <laughs> yes. and, and trying to kind of uh, move forward in a productive and healthy way after a devastating loss. <laughs> you, you've done, you did number one. Yeah. Yes, I already did number one last but night. Number two, you're going to convince yourself you're going to lose to Utah. Yeah, that's going to take that's, that's going to take the rest of the move. Yeah. So, so for me, did you see our past defense? <laughs> How do you feel any other way? It's insane. I love it. I love it. For me, so you know, I I was born in 1975, which is when Don James became the head coach of the Huskies. I grew up a Husky fan. Started going to games when I was seven years old watched the ascendancy under Don James. I was at the the Freedom Bowl, all three Rose Bowls. And then in 92, my family moved to Florida. I don't come back to Washington until 2012, which was the end of the Sark era and the beginning of the Chris Peterson. So I've had some incredible, you know, Husky, fortuitous, you know, type of fandom to be able to, to be in some of these key moments. And this is definitely a top five Husky experience for me. Uh, so just really quick, this I was telling J- you, JJ, last night, 
my top five Husky fandom experience. Number one, all I saw was purple when the Huskies defeat Todd Marinovich, USC, uh, in Husky Stadium with Steve Edmond and that gang. Obviously, one of the greatest moments in Husky history. Winning against Michigan with the Mario Bailey Heisman pose. It's right there. We win the national championship. Number three, I was in the Orange Bowl for the whammy in Miami to, to beat uh, Miami and their 58-game home winning streak. And I put this game at number four. So number four on the list is defeating Oregon in Autzen Stadium and just completely upending the 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 curse, the, the, the legacy that they've had. And then I would say number five is kind of a, a, a toss-up between the 2016 victory over Stanford at home. That, that environment was unbelievable. Or the first Rose Bowl win beating the Hawkeyes in 1990 and, and really, you know, beginning that incredible run. But truly, this is one of the most amazing moments in my Husky fandom. And it is, has been absolutely unbelievable to do it with you guys and to be a part of this experience with y'all. So glad that we were able to make this happen. So let's go around the room. Let's talk about one play, one moment, one one aspect of this game that really stood out to you that you will either continue to relish or you will continue to rue for the rest of your life. But let's just focus it. So maybe it's the Bonix injury. Maybe it's, you know, a fourth down call, but just one play for each of us. Let's go around the room. Let's let's start with you, Mark. Uh, the, I think the the play that is going to I think live in the minds of all Duck fans is the feeling of seeing Bo Nix kind of grabbing his lower body, whether it was ankle or his knee. We didn't really know at the time, but like I, Andrew and Ryan and I all kind of looked at each other, and honestly, the first thought that I had I don't know about you, Andrew. The first thought that I had was Dennis Dixon in two thousand seven when when we had a promising season that was totally derailed when our Heisman caliber quarterback had a season ending injury. And we didn't, we didn't know Bo Nix was going to come back in the game at that point. Um, but it was very much like a, the wind went out of our sails. This was at the end of a, what a 19 play, 18 play, 10 minute drive where Oregon mm -hmm. was just devouring the clock. And it felt like this slow March to just kind of asphyxiate <laughs> the Huskies. And when that happened, the air went out of the stadium. Duck fans are looking at each other, not just thinking about this game, because I think in our minds there was still there's still a way forward to win this game. But like this might have ruined the rest of the season. And then and then you kind of start putting the pieces together of saying, oh, but now we have to settle for the field goal. We probably would have gone for it if Bo Nix is still in the game. Now we're going to settle for the field goal. Now we have to bring Ty Thompson out with a tie game. And everything shifted on that mm -hmm. on that one play. And um, yeah, that's there's all kinds of other plays. We spent hours last night looking at other plays of the game and kind of remembering, oh, this call could have gone either way, or or this play, oh, if he just caught that pass or whatever. But that's that's the single play that 10 years from now, I think most Oregon fans are are gonna remember. Yeah, and I, I felt like that was the like just up until the very moment before that play it felt like Oregon was Thanos and they yeah. were just, they were about to snap and saying, I am in the inevitable. inevitable. Yeah. 
and then Iron Man sneaks in and 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 takes the gauntlet. That was that type of pivotal change in the game. I was going to say on that on that particular you know sequence, the it it felt inevitable to Warren's point. The Ducks had just marched down on this forever drive, moving at will. It's fourth and well, no, it's third and five. Yeah, and the Huskies call a timeout. And prior, earlier in the game, uh, Knicks ran, you know, QB sneak up the middle, untouched. And then the Huskies called a timeout. And I honestly think this was the defensive play of the game. Uh, is they called the timeout. And I think there's so many to choose from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's maybe one. It was this or the other this one. Or the, yeah. Um, I think the Huskies' defense baited Knicks. They lined up in the same formation that they lined up before, mm-hmm. but they brought – they had the safety that was going to be a spy and was going to that was going to run, you know, fill the yeah. gap. Yeah. Um, and so that was that that was that was incredible. And then and then have his you know helmet hit the knee or or, or however Nick's got injured. Unbelievable. How the, how the turn of events. You needed a to, for, to break a, you know this sixty year or whatever, you know. You needed uh, a break. You needed something kind of crazy to happen. And it felt like that was maybe the goal line fumble early in the game. Mm-hmm. And then that got erased later when right. when you know picks through his inter Penix through his interception right. that felt very similar. And so you know you needed something like that that was just kind of a little bit bonkers. Yeah. And you got it. All right, Jake, what's the one moment that you'll you'll relish and remember forever? Uh Penix played so well. It's it's tough. I mean, the deep ball to Polk, the deep ball to Davis, uh, so many incredible throws. Um, I'd like to say the Davis pass, but honestly, when that happened, I was like, too soon. Too, too much soon. time. That's yeah, what you kept saying. You're too much time. Hey, too much time. Um, and so I so much so Jake wanted him to fall at the one yard. Nothing bad has happened at the one yard line. No, <laughs> but and to be fair, like the whole game, I was consistent in my I don't like that we're kicking, I don't want to kick. I mean, whether it was on our own 10 or on your side of the field, I yeah. wanted to just go for it every time. Um, I'll say the play that I will remember visually in my head. I'll remember the interception because of how I just thought that's it. That's the end. And then when Whittington slips on fourth down and goes down, I couldn't believe it. Your running game had been so dominant the entire game and especially the second half. Uh, I mean, for you to pick up a yard felt like child's play. And I don't think Lanning was being arrogant, but I honestly think he just thought the way that game was going, I don't need to put Nick's back in right now. I don't need to do something special and call a timeout. Mm-hmm. I can just handle it because you got you got four yards on one the first down run. The second down run was the worst and was only like two, and then you basically got four. The so you were nothing up at that point. Yeah, made yeah. anybody think, oh, like they're not going to get this. And so I know he's being roundly panned for going for that, but I thought it was the right call. I think pretty much everybody thought it was the right call until it doesn't work, right. and now everybody's second guessing it. But in my mind, when he slips, I, I couldn't believe it happened. And I, I turned to Warren and JJ and I said, oh, my goodness, I think we're going to do this. Yeah. Um, of course, I was still hedging my bets a little yeah. bit there. But that is the play. Watching Whittington slip and fall and going, 
okay, this this actually might might turn for us uh, is what I think I'll always remember. Andrew, what about you? What's the the moment in play? I'm not sure. We we've talked about all the good moments and plays there. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my upset pick. Uh, the upset of the game obviously was that Pac-12 officials were competent, and <laughs> it was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. They it, when when we kind of second guessed. Oh, did they get that right? Generally speaking, yeah, they did. And so I'll be a little more lighthearted because I was just like, son of a gun, Pac-12 officials aren't the story of the game. That's yeah, gotta no. be kind of nice for them. Or maybe not. Maybe like today they're all meeting and they're like, nobody's talking about us. What the heck? What do you gotta do? You know? So so uh, I'm not sure, but that's that's yeah. what I'll go with. I love it. JJ, how about you? I was at the 2018 2018 game in Otson with Mark and with Jake. And the Huskies had already beaten the Ducks two years in a row. This is Chris Peterson. It felt like it was, you know, <clears throat> they were going to get their third, you know, third victory in a row. Completely turned the tide of the rivalry. And Peyton Henry stands up to a 37-yard field goal. And in that moment, I was as confident as I possibly could be. There was no doubt in my mind that Peyton Henry was going to make that kick. Um, I remember even filming it, and it just felt inevitable. And yeah. then – Wide, wide right or wide left, I don't remember. He hooked it. Um, and and to to sit there in shock as the Oregon Ducks when they scored in overtime to win. And everything just, <laughs> the world comes crashing down. Yeah. And so last night, honestly, I mean, I, I would I would pick the, the, the Knicks injury if it was, you know, only one. But to have the Peyton Henry redemption game and yeah. to have DeBoer put him out there on fourth and one with the confidence to just go, yeah. just go kick it. And I'm thinking, what is going through his head? Like yeah. that, 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 that deserves a soundtrack. Like mm. this anthem music playing slow motion, him coming out, walking out, replaying yeah. the, the B roll of the kick in 2018. How often do you get that type of chance? And the mental toughness. And the mental toughness. Yeah. I, yeah. I would be a nervous wreck. Yeah. My body would be so tense. I would, yeah. I would, I would shake it. Yeah. You know, and to just get up there and kick the ball more distance than the 2018, mm -hmm. more on the line. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only, that's, reason, yeah. the only reason I didn't pick that one is because I wasn't looking. Yeah. 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 Jake wasn't <laughs> right. looking. I'm filming. Yeah. You know, it was it was unbelievable. Unbelievable so, for him to make that kick. That is an incredible story. And this is why we love sports. I mean, right. like, where else does this happen where you see this incredible drama unfold, you know, in live setting yeah. it, with so much emotion tied to it? And it turned out to be the storyline of the game. Like, that is the ultimate redemption. So for, for the optimist that I am, even still, I'm thinking about this as I'm watching the last few seconds. I'm thinking, okay, Knicks gets hurt. They take him off the field. It ends up costing them that first down, ends up costing them the the you know following the, the following drive. But now Knicks comes back out. They 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 have two drop passes, and then they're in they get sacked on third and long. It's fourth and long. Somehow Knicks miraculously completes a fourth down like it was fourth and 14 gets like 18 yards they get you know almost into field goal position but it's not close enough and there's literally one second left on the clock and i'm thinking 
If, if Nick's gets this touchdown, like that's the incredible story. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, oh, yeah. that's the, yeah. that's the miracle finish. And it'll be just one more dagger in the heart of oh, every gosh. Husky fan that will never be forgotten. Yeah. So for me, the moment of the game was watching ball. that ball just like a dead duck land on the ground right in front of the end zone. And it was that moment of us looking at each other and going, we did it. No. This really, really happened. And then to see everybody, I mean, there wasn't many Husky fans around us, but to see the Husky fans hugging each other and just like in total disbelief and then to ultimately go down on the field, dance on the O and just have this surreal moment, something we'll never, ever forget. I want to give some, yeah, you're absolutely right, Warren. I want to give some props to Oregon fans because I, I, you know, I was kind of expecting to get a lot of, you know, jeers and sneers and I didn't get any yesterday. After the game? Both. Before yeah. and after. We we had a little oh, bit of commentary on the way to the game. Oh, that's true. We that's had, pretty yeah. expected. Yeah. That was yeah. par for the course. To be drunk, fair, drunk Jake, frat guys. Jake got all of them. I was going to say, During that was game. not my experience at all. That <laughs> was on the aisle. experience was a man behind him asking Jake at, after every single Oregon first down to – Consume more j- male genitalia than yeah, I think yeah. is even <laughs> in the world at this point. Like, oh really? It, it well, was, there were a lot of it was a lot of incre- MC seventeen. Yes, <laughs> the the ways that he wanted to subjugate right. Jake's going to be why female family members it was ab- I, absurd. I, I felt like the uh, this the people closest to us were both the best and the worst of duck baits. Yeah, we had some people in front of us were very delightful. Some people behind us, yeah. were, you know, you wanted to press the mute button on. Uh, it was the full Austin experience, which brings me to a question for you, Warren. This was your first time coming to Austin Stadium. Austin Stadium has developed a certain reputation as 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 an environment. And I'm I'm curious about your your take as a visiting fan coming in for a huge game what uh what was your opinion of the Austin experience you know what i i would be willing to do that every other year for the rest of my life <laughs> so i mean yeah. exactly if, if, if we can have that experience every single <laughs> so no i love this here i i want to say this. i love your reaction to this because uh you're riding the high of like, we just snapped the 23 game winning streak or whatever. And so I'm like, I want Warren to sign up for 10 more years of coming to Austin stadium (laughs) with this coming from this place of, of, of pride because you're going to experience Austin stadium in a whole different way over the next 10 trips. Like that's great. That's great. Keep it up. No, in all seriousness, it was, it was a great environment. I mean, we had awesome seats. We were surrounded by, like you said, the best and the worst of the duck worst fandom, time. which did not, you know, phase me at all. Like some of the commentary that we got on the way into the game, you know, I just, I was fully prepared for that. Um, so, you know, I think there were certain things that I thought, wow, those are memorable moments that, that being a duck fan, you know, that's gotta be pretty special. The shout in the third quarter, the, the little, you know, cell phone light show was pretty cool. Um, you know, there were some things that I, I didn't think were as great. You know, like I commented to Mark, it sounds like the stadium announcer is somebody's dad who's filling in for the game. Yeah, <laughs> like, total disrespect for the great Don Essig. Yeah, like I, I was not impressed with, with him. 
Uh, I also thought that they had too much pumped in music instead of using, utilizing the band and making it more of that collegiate experience. It felt a little bit too, you know, NFL uh, production oriented in, at moments throughout the game. But come on. I mean, it's Austin Stadium. It's Nike. It's, you know, college town. You you can't ask for a better environment than that. And uh, and and I'm just glad I was finally able to experience that after all these years. Let, let's mention this about Austin. There was a, there, a collective feeling after the game that was kind of like, yeah, Husky's kind of kind of deserve like deserve this. Like after yeah. years, like this was their chance. There yeah. was a lot of I felt even after the game, we're on the field, not a lot of angry duck fans. That's such a great point. But next year, in two years, it's yeah. gonna be a different story. It'll be the revenge game, even next year in, in mm-hmm. Seattle, but it'll be the opportunity to do events at Lawson Otson. I think the gloves will be off. I think yeah. the rivalry took another step next, you know, for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. That wait a minute, these are two good programs. It's the first time in 20 years that we can say these are two maybe evenly matched teams that can compete and go, you know, toe-to-toe. You know, every game will be on, you know, will be. Yeah. Well, I, I think two things about that. I think one, if if, if Washington had um, like turned those field goals into touchdowns early and kind of run away with it a little bit, like if this was like a 14-point a, a win, I think he would have had a little more like angry duck fan of like, we just got outplayed, like right. significantly outplayed. Um, But I also think that the Knicks injury kind of softened the heart of duck fans where it was, it kind of feels like, well, yeah. they, you know, they, they got us, but we know like, yeah. you know, we, we mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's not to take anything away from Washington who made countless plays to win the game. Um, but it kind of changes your perspective when you lose. Cause you, you, you tell yourself that, well, if that one thing had gone differently, we would have won. And that's, that's fine. Um, they can have this one, but you're right. If Washington come back two years from now and wins again, <laughs> right. then it totally right. changes the, the hospitality. Whole, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Well, and I mean, you know, you guys made a great point because I, it just occurred to me, like us going down, dancing on the field. Certainly, there could have been some potential of you know some angry, drunk duck fans, you know, getting very offended by that. But then that bottleneck. So on the way out, we were all going across this pretty small bridge thousands of people all kind of packed into each other it's kind of amazing that like you know some pushing and melee you didn't get jumped yeah <laughs> didn't break out i mean everybody was pretty much calmly like filing out there was no yelling at each other really it was pretty much everybody was pretty well behaved so certainly kudos to ducks fans for for handling it well uh, in that in that environment but uh yeah truly amazing so let's Let's wrap this up. What does this mean uh, for each team moving forward? What does this mean for the legacy of some of the, the key participants in this game, for Penix, for Henry, Lanning, DeBoer, Knicks? You know, what, what does this mean moving forward, looking at the last few games of the season? Just pull on one string and, and kind of give me your thoughts about that. I'll, I'll jump in first. Uh, I I think for Oregon, um, this game affirmed that the offense is in a really good place. Like, you know, the offense moved the ball 
pretty much at will, um, had a few things go wrong, you know, inside the five yard line or inside the 10 yard line. But other than that, like, uh, feeling really good about where the offense was at, obviously concerned about the Knicks injury and, you know, is he going to be back at full strength? But I think there's some real questions right now with the Oregon defense and not just in terms of like, can they fix this before the Utah game, but just like, is there going to be a massive structural overhaul needed? Because they obviously have the talent. This is all scheme to me. Like they have the physical talent on the defensive side of the ball to be one of the better Pac-12 defenses. And they've been, you know, kind of thoroughly outcoached on that side of the ball more than once this year. So, uh, and Lanning is a defensive guy. And, you know, he's a guy who's coached under Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. So this has to grind his gears to have his own defense struggle in this way. And I, I'm not, like, like, calling for coaching changes at this point or whatever, but I'm very interested to see short-term, long-term, there, there's some major sort of tweaks that need to be addressed from a schematic standpoint on the defensive side of the ball if Oregon's going to take that kind of last final step. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what that looks like um, in the near future here. What, what would you say, Andrew? Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I think that we got to really look at it and say, is it, is it simply communication? Cause defense is the one that always takes longer because you have to have mm -hmm. so much more trust that you're going to pass this one guy off uh, onto the other last touchdown pass. Williams comes over and he comes over late and he's late by, I'd say about half a second. I right. And, and he was close. He was really close, but he was late. There was no doubt. So you could see that stuff and truly football is, it's just, it's that little time, uh, but I, I'm going to take it to a macro level. I was at the Washington game last year when we went up to Seattle, and that was about as depressing of a win as I've ever seen mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the stadium wasn't full. It was ever-loving cold. It was rainy, um, and the teams did not play well. It was just it was a, it was a rough game nothing went well we we talk about oh well the team struggled in the first half we would have gladly taken the first half and duplicated that and thrown that to last year's game because that's how poor in terms of execution wise mm -hmm. and of course it ends with like a, a punt that shouldn't have been a punt and a safety that shouldn't have been there and the game was over extremely anticlimactic and and what i'd say was just rough so i'm hopeful because Oregon, as, as much as it kills me to say it, but Oregon needs Washington to do well. Like it is, it, it's a better environment. It's a better game. It's a, it's better for everybody involved when you have strength on strength. So I'm happy for that. Like, especially compared to last year, the, the amount of time, it's only been a year, but the program has a completely different trajectory. Last year was like, what are we doing? What are we going to do for us? It was with Mario. Hey, we're happy winning, but man, this is a tough way to win. We just couldn't win. Um, it, it seemed like in a, in a fashion that wasn't a little disjointed. That's a really good point, Andrew. It, it, this, this loss feels more satisfying than a win last year. Oh, <laughs> it was, it was a rough. bizarre thing. To and we went to the same restaurant and I swear like this year we had good service at the restaurant. Last year was like awful and dirty dishes. Yeah. And it was just 
Yeah. So it, it what it's very different. So I, I like it again as a duck fan. I think it's always in your favor to have really good teams around you because it does, it doesn't allow you to get complacent and you really want that. Cause it's like, okay, they're coming at us. We're getting their best shot. Yeah. And obviously duck fans are in a much better place emotionally coming off of this loss than Husky fans were last year coming off the loss uh, in Husky Stadium. So if, I, if I could just add one more thing, because I know we want to wrap up with the duck with the dog fans rejoicing, but I will I will say as far as a legacy thing, I co-sign Dan Lanning being aggressive from the get-go. Like I'm I'm all in on that. It didn't always work out, yeah. but I am not gonna second guess it because it is it has worked to Oregon's advantage so much. We can't celebrate the onside kick when we recovered against UCLA and then criticize him for trying yeah. it against Washington we can't celebrate him going for fourth and one inside his own 30 at the end of the first half and getting it and then criticize him when he does it at the end of the second half and we don't get it so I'm I'm I just want to say that like he is clearly trying to coach this program in a way to say we're going to be aggressive throughout the game even if we feel like we have the slightest edge we're going to press into that even if if uh you know it's going to look really bad if we don't get it and I co-sign all of that. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's coaching with the right mentality there. It's interesting how many pundits would 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 say the opposite. They're like that 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 fourth down play was was suicide, you know, for for landing to go for it. And I was like, yeah, that's the right play because the, the Huskies were probably going to score regardless. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. the way they were moving the ball. Yeah. So. so JJ, how about you? Looking looking ahead thinking about the legacy or what this means for the Huskies moving forward. Where, where are you at? Kalen DeBoer, baby. <laughs> I mean, I think this, this is, uh, I think we all knew it as, as Husky fans that, that that was a good hire. We all liked DeBoer. We like his countenance. We like the way he's mm -hmm. coaching. We like, we like the direction of the program. This is further affirmation uh, that we are past the Jimmy Lake era. Mm. Those few years with Jimmy Lake, especially last year, were so devastating because we felt like he was the guy. You know, when Chris Peterson stepped down, it felt like this would just be a natural transition. Mm -hmm. um, and then to have the wheels fall off the way that they did and to have basically, it, you know, who he, who he thought he was not being who he was, was, was devastating. It felt like it set back the program for years hmm. and then to all of a sudden be facing a potential 10 and two season with the first year of the war with, with an electric offense, you got a lot of room to improve, but I can't, I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's really incredible. I feel absolutely. I feel, yeah. And the, and the tide shifted, who knows what, what this did for recruiting, who knows what this mm. does for validation of the program to go. This is a, this is a program that you should come play at. There were a lot of high caliber recruits there. Yes, there were. there were. That was a that was a prime recruiting weekend for the Ducks, and the Huskies seized the opportunity. Ironically, though, 2018 was the same um, when the when the Ducks pulled out the victory, and I remember Kayvon Thibodeau was at that game. Yeah, yeah. And had the Huskies won that game, would that have been a different? Would that have shifted his mind a little bit about the Ducks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jake. Final thoughts. What does this mean looking yeah. forward? Uh, a couple of things. I, I know we, we talked about this yesterday. I mentioned uh, Dan Lanning and that staff are one of the more likable duck coaching staffs 
uh, in this this tenure. Um, I made the comment like not having Aaron Fell and that ridiculous mustache and that obnoxious yeah. sideline demeanor was a highlight for me. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I will say it brought me no pain to see the sleazeball that is former Washington, Cal, Alabama coach Tosh Lapoy get his you-know-what handed to him in embarrassing fashion. <laughs> uh, so Lanning and Dillingham, uh, hats off, but, you know, in the words of uh, from Little Big League, LaBoy, I hope you die like a dog. You know, <laughs> I know you're probably a decent human being, but I'd love to see you suffer. Um, this game, it made me think of another movie reference, uh, The Sandlot. Uh, Michael Penix went into that heroes get remembered, but legends never die mm. category. Uh, he went from being a, a Husky, a great Husky quarterback, right? Cody Pickett uh, and Jake Browning and kind of being in that to going, this is like the defining quarterback of, of my, because unlike you, Warren, I wasn't a fan in that early uh, 80s, early 90s, uh, Don James heyday. Um, so I, I think Penix is just short of a, you know, I mean, if he continues against Colorado, abysmal Colorado, and, and an in-state rivalry with the Cougs, if he continues to put up, you know, 350, 400-yard games, I think he's going to go down as a legend, as a legend. Yeah. Um, and no matter what, to have this win on his resume, I think puts him in that legendary status uh, as a Husky, not, in, you know, college football. Um, but the other thing I said is, I know, Mark, you've referenced, like I've said, I just want to beat the Ducks in Oxen. And that 70 to 21 win in 2016 was satisfying because it ended 12 years mm. of getting our butts handed to us. But it was nothing compared mm -hmm. to beating a team. I, like you said this about the Ducks being able to slay the giant of USC, right? Like you yeah. want to play the Pete Carroll USC team at their pinnacle and take them down and then become the new giant. And mm. that is way more satisfying than having a USC team fall off, knock them down when they're already stumbling, right. and then take over that position. So in 2016, it felt like the Ducks were crumbling, we were ascending, and we beat a bad Ducks team. Their coach gets fired. This feels like the Ducks were continuing their ascent. They were possibly playoff bound, probably uh, you know, Pac-12 championship bound, which is still in the cards. Everything's still on the table in front of you. And so for us to win that game, end the win streak, uh, the home winning streak for you guys, when you are not at your pinnacle, but still at the top is immensely more satisfying. I thought it would never happen. Uh, and so to, to have that, I just, DeBoer was a good hire. I thought, I thought mm. that all along. Um, the Arizona State game continues to befuddle me. Um, but I, I don't think we should spend one moment or breath wondering what if about that. Right. Um, because I said at the beginning of the year, if we go eight and four and beat the Ducks, it's a successful season any way you, you cut it. And now that's that's guaranteed. Um, and so uh, I feel hopeful going forward. I think the program looks like a fun program, especially mm. offensively to play for. Like, I'm hopeful that in-state recruits are going to go, okay, we can we can go to Washington, play a great brand of football, beat uh, those guys down south, and uh, you know, have a chance to play for a playoff. I mean, this is his first year, four and eight to hopefully 10 and two, even if we don't make the, 
the Pac-12 championship is a, an unmitigated success story uh, and just gives me uh, great optimism about, about the future. And great optimism is apparently what I'm known for in this group. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so JJ was talking about that text. Warren still thinks Washington's going to the playoff this year. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there a chance? What is the yeah. But but the text that I sent JJ a few days ago was, okay, bear with me. <laughs> what if Michael Penix Jr. goes bonkers in this Oregon game, they win the game, and then he goes on a tear against Colorado and Washington State? Could he potentially get back into the Heisman race? I'm not going to go so far as to say that he could win the Heisman, but – you're telling me that a team that went four and eight with the dismal offense that the Huskies had under John Donovan, they bring in Michael Penix, which we would all presume is only going to be here for one year. And he turns this program around. If we win the next two games and he throws for 350, 400 yards, that that story couldn't get him to New York. I think it could happen. I'm not saying it will, but I think it could happen a 10 and two husky team but either way now you're talking about marcus tui Asasopo in 2001 you're talking about jake browning in 2016 you're talking about mark brunel and billy joe hobert you're talking about some of the all-time great husky quarterback seasons legends and michael Penix is in that and I, i was thinking about this last night Is there any other Husky player who only had one season with the Huskies that would have had anywhere close to this kind of a pack? The only one I can think of is Corey Dillon. Mm -hmm. Corey Dillon was there for one year. I mean, I only think he was there for a whole year. He was there for like four months. Yeah, he was there for like four months. But other than Corey Dillon, there's no player that, presuming he does not come back, would have had as much of an impact on Husky football as Michael Penix Jr. And as much as we're celebrating this and we're thinking, okay, maybe this is the beginning of a special run for the Huskies. We have no idea what our quarterback situation is going to be like next year. So for all of the Husky fans who are listening to this, savor this moment, Mm -hmm. enjoy it, soak it up. I mean, this is the, this is the, the the dream that we've been waiting for for years and years and years let's enjoy it (laughs) drive safely (laughs) don't drink and drive but have all the fun that you want enjoying this moment because this is what we live for as husky fans and uh, with that let's go ahead and wrap it up for all my dog fans out there for jj vansel for jake holderman for everybody listens to the show go dogs Yeah.